Welcome to It's a Good Life podcast, where it's all about helping entrepreneurs think, feel, and do better. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Top of the morning to you. Welcome to It's a Good Life. Great to be with you today. I have a special guest for you today, and this will be an unusual little wrinkle for our show today. You know, in all the years we've put this program on, we've never interviewed someone we've coached as a client. And we're going to change that today for a number of different reasons. I have a man who became a client and then became a friend. His name is Jim Nussbaum. He's from Denver, Colorado. And Jim and I know each other more than 22 years at this stage. He's been in the real estate business for over 50 years. One of the founders of the Kentwood Company and was one of the most successful people in his business, in his industry, and in his state for a long, long time. And Jim has been working on a book for a number of years, and I have had the great privilege seeing this manuscript in many different forms over the years and many different conversations over the years with Jim. He now has put it together, got it done. It's called Significance, and it's a compilation of the lessons learned along the way from loss to success. You know, we talk about on this show having people of experience, and Jim has 50 years in the business and 50 years of success behind him. We have things to learn to do like Jim, and there's things that Jim is going to share, how not to do things like him as well. And uh, that's the lessons and the wisdom of experience. And so, Jim, uh, you've been waiting this a long time. I've been waiting for this a long time. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Brian. I sure appreciate uh, the opportunity, and I'm looking forward to talking to you today. You bet. Well, this will be one of many conversations we've had over the years. Let's paint the picture. We're going to get into your background today, Jim. And when we met, it was uh, an unusual set of circumstances for our company at the time because when we met, we typically meet people who are trying to grow their business, make more money, pursue their ambition, maybe start, get their business off the ground, or maybe they're doing pretty good, but they're looking for a better quality of life. You were already at the top of the profession in regards to your performance, but you were in a place where you were like, hey, I don't want to be where I'm at. And that began our journey of putting a heck of a lot more balance into your life. I think it'd be great as we get into that today, as we talk a little bit about where it all started for you. Where'd you grow up? How'd you end up in the real estate business? And then I want to talk about, you know, what drove you, because you were uber-driven, probably more driven than you needed to be. You were a working man. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But tell us, where, where'd you get your start and how did you end up uh, getting into the business you did? Well, I started out in Appleton, Wisconsin, which is my my hometown, and I sold pots and pans to get through college, uh, sold vacuum cleaners uh, with my dad, and uh, and then I joined American Sales Masters uh, in New York City, and I got out to Colorado and started real estate, uh, gosh, in 1970. Wow, pots and pans salesmen, just like Zig Ziglar and American Sales Masters. I mean, they were some of the classic corporations, and those companies built sales training and personal growth and development is kind of, uh, that was the mother's milk of those companies. I mean, people don't realize the way salespeople were trained back then was really some pretty cool foundations and got exposed to a lot of the greats of the motivational business. You got to experience that, didn't you? Yeah, I sure did. I was uh, I was uh, fortunate to get an award from Earl Nightingale. I got an award from Ogmandino in person. And these, these fellows are you know, dead and gone now. So I was very, very pleased and honored to have that happen. Yeah, well, we're recording you today from the Nightingale studio, and you certainly know where Ogmandino fits in my book as far as uh, the greatest salesman in the world and all the great things he brought to the marketplace. 
And so you got into real estate in Colorado, and uh, you really got after it. I mean, you got after it pretty quick. Uh, talk a little bit about your rise to success uh, in the business. Well, I was actually uh, uh, honored as being the top real estate salesperson in the country and also in, in the state of Colorado. And um, that was good, and I really enjoyed that. But uh, I just really wasn't uh, as happy as I might have been. And I was trying to figure out where I was and where I needed to go. And, um, you know, uh, way back, I, I called my dad one day in Appleton. I said, Dad, hey, I'd like to see you uh, in uh, about 110 miles away from Milwaukee. And uh, so he came to see me. And I said, you know, I said, I said Dad, do you love me? And, uh, I mean, it was like weird that you have to even say that. And he looked at me, you know, he was one of those dads that wasn't very, uh, you know, touchy-feely. And uh, I'm sure he did, but he just never said it. So that was one thing that I was working on. I got that squared away. So do you think that was part of your drive, uh, Jim? Do you think one of the reasons you were so driven in business, you were trying to earn the love and respect of your father? You think that was one of the drivers? You know, I really do. And and as you probably know, we had a couple of adverse situations in our family. Uh, uh, and uh, our, our boy, Eric, who is our oldest son, uh, when he was 11 months old, he slipped into a coma. And he was in a coma for 14 years. And then he passed away. And and also, I had a, a, a fatal form of cancer that I overcame. I put those two things in my book, Brian, uh, that those adverse situations that I overcame or that I dealt with, let's put it that way. But I think as I look back on it, uh, I think I was so grieved, uh, so grieving with uh, with Eric uh, being our, our firstborn. And, and, you know, I, I just dove into my work and I didn't know I was doing it. And there's probably other people out there that 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 happens to. And uh, I I came out from under it. But obviously, I've got a very, very good spouse. And uh, she kind of hung in there with me. <laughs> yes, you do. So and she became my number one fan. I don't know if you ever were. But, I, you know, I think she always appreciated that I was trying to come alongside you and work through it. There, there's famous stories of Jim Nussbaum having a glove box full of uncashed commission checks, right? <laughs> oh, wasn't quite that bad, but it sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you were you were a very driven guy. Would it be fair to say you were a workaholic? I I think so, and I didn't know that I was, but uh, but I yes, and and I think that's what led me to. To, to, to work on this book's significance, you know, we've got, we've got the four S's that we can talk about either later or now. Uh, but, uh, and uh, yes, I, I think I was just, just working. I, I was, I was out of balance. That's why your, your, your balance, uh, your, your survival, I mean, your, uh, uh, spiritual and so forth, uh, um, are, are, are so important to me because it got me back into balance. Yeah, we started setting goals in all the different areas and right. taking vacations and taking trips. And, you know, the thing about it is you got onto a treadmill where you were used to being the number one guy. And there's a certain, it feeds it. You know, the thing about it is any, any dysfunction, any, any dysfunction that can be rewarded is difficult, right? I mean, you know, when somebody's a fall down drunk, you know, typically that's not rewarded. But when you're a workaholic, the truth of the matter is it's very much rewarded. You get success. You get economic success. You also get acknowledgement and appreciation. You know, in my own life, that's why I've had to battle it so hard, is that you get tremendous feedback from the market for your dysfunction. You know, in, in American sports, 
you know, some of the most dysfunctional guys in sports have achieved some of the most amazing things, right? you know, because they channeled their dysfunction. And then you get rewarded for it. You know, you get acknowledgement for it. And then you have to deal with the consequences. So when we first met, you were like, okay, you know, my whole dynamic was, you know, we were going to work by referral, which was the system, and then live the good life. And that's why we named the podcast, It's a Good Life. And you wanted to know how to do the good life. You had the work thing down. You had the success thing down. And what's great about you, Jim, is they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And you had already had a very significant career more than three decades in when we met. You were already achieving at the highest levels possible, but you wanted the other side, which is I want to know how can I do both? How can I have the trips and have the family? And in many ways, the pursuit of that to me led to you actually making peace with all this stuff, with the death of your son, with your cancer, with the different challenges, and even making peace with your past, with your dad, who, again, came from that generation where they never really expressed anything. And, you know, you're working your butt off night and day to try to get that affirmation. You know, it doesn't matter how many awards and sales you make. It seems like that's not going to come from them because it's just not in them. How would you say you made peace with all this stuff? How did you turn the corner? Well, I, I just I, I just did a lot of studying, and I did a lot of research. Uh, I you, you know part of my book, like like Rabbi Harold Kushner, "How Good Do We Have to Be?" That's his actual book. How good did I have to be? You know, I mean, do I have to be perfect? And, and I think as I started studying this, I found out that more people than not are wrestling with that. How good do they have to be? And uh, and I found out that that uh, strive for perfection, but not uh, strive for excellence, but not for perfection. So you mentioned the four S's, Jim. To walk us through that a little bit, what's the four S's to you? Sure. On on the significance, uh, it starts out with survival. Yeah, and uh, that's with the borrowed card table and the four chairs. You know, and you're just barely able to make it. And then then maybe you go to stability, where you you might be able to buy a house. Uh, then you go to success, and you've got some recognition. And then when you get to significance, uh, you're giving back, you're mentoring. And I was always trying to take, you know, take accolades, uh, take, take, take knowledge. But as I was taking the knowledge, I was trying to understand myself better. And, and, and I, I really did start to understand myself. And I, I, was, I was reading about comparison. You, you know, Brene Brown talks about vulnerability. Uh, you know, I am okay the way I am. And I don't have to be any better. I still want to work, work hard to, 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 to do well. But um, I, I had the monkey off my back finally. And, and writing this book was a catharsis for me, I think, to, to get that done. And so happy I wrote it. It's, it's taken a lot of time. But those are the four S's. And when you get to significance, you're mentoring, you're giving back. I've, I've, got, a, I've got a card on my desk here from a fellow <clears throat> in my office that I was mentoring. And he unfortunately died of a, of a, uh, a seizure. And I'm hanging on to that. I'm leaving it right here in my desk because he was such a neat guy. And Marcus Starkle. And his mom is very close to me. She was the managing partner of our office. And I, I just, uh, so I'm, I'm wanting to give back uh, and, and, and basically try to understand myself better so that I can help other people understand them. Sure. Self. And again, your journey is your journey. And most of us, when, you know, it's like, okay, I choose my life again. So let's say you're talking to an entrepreneur today 
And you know, on one hand, the great success and the achievements of the drive that sales can do for you. But then you also came to the balance and the rebalancing of no longer being a workaholic. So, you know, I think today a lot of younger people especially are interested in having balance from day one. They want to have a greater sense of purpose. They're thinking about significance day one. Knowing what you know now, 50 years later, what advice would you have for a young entrepreneur today, whether in the real estate business or any other business? What advice would you have today? Is like, okay, how do you go about working hard, but not having it become obsessive for you? What advice would you have to, for somebody to get started today? Well, and, and it, it, it goes without saying that I, I really would get coaching. I, I, to be honest with you, I mean, just because you handle coaching, no big deal. But Carol Peterson did a fantastic job for me. Sure. She's been with me for 25 years. She's fantastic, yeah. So, so I started to, started to understand myself, and um, I, I would say that that's something that I would recommend to people starting, either starting out in the business or, you know, the people that are already in the business, I, I think they have to be careful that they don't drift. That's the word that I use is you kind of drift. Let me ask you this. When you had the eye of the tiger, like, how do you get after it? You had to learn how to balance, but you were great at getting after it. What is it that made you such a good salesman? Why were you able to make so many sales and make so much money while you were doing it? What advice would you have about that? Like how to go and get after it first? Sure. Well, well, basically, you got to set your goals up, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and I think you have to plan uh, where you're going to go. I have to get my head to get my attitude proper uh, and uh, perseverance. I had to get all those lined up properly. And uh, when I started out, uh, I started out in uh, uh, an area where I, I did uh, geographic farming. You know, just kind of basic stuff like that, um, and uh, you know, it's it's just it's just getting after it, and and uh, you know, my 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 mentor Sven Nyland, I said, Sven, I don't want to fail. What do I need to do? He said, Jim, three words: see the people. So you see the people. Now you see them ideally in person. You know, maybe secondarily, you go and call on them, but you see the people and you develop relationships. That, to me, is so important, uh, and and that's what I that's what I tried to do. And you know, as as you probably know, uh, at my heyday, I was delivering personally uh, 250 cans of nuts. <laughs> my name means nut tree in German, so <laughs> so I would deliver uh, 250 cans of nuts to. I would line them up by zip code, and I would just go back and knock on the door, or you know, you know, ring the doorbell and say hey just want to say hi and happy holidays and so you know it's just it to me it's not it, it to me it's it's pretty basic you got to see those people but you got to be disciplined to do it it's just not going to happen right and you were pretty disciplined I mean, your calendar was chalk blocked from morning till evening you were on appointments you're making calls uh, mary jean your bride used to tell me sometimes she'd bring the kids over to the office to have dinner with you you were just right you <laughs> I know, I know. But the thing about it was, and again, you learn from that, but at the same time, there's things to learn from that, right? Sure. You spend so much time like realizing, okay, maybe I did this out of uh, a certain level of brokenness was the intensity, but at the same time, there's a lot to be learned from it, you know? And so maybe someone walks in your footsteps and they don't become the number one realtor in the country, but maybe they could be number 20 and have dinner at home, you know what I mean? And that's why I think the lessons are there. It's both instructive and cautionary. It's both hey, there is things to learn. There's a famous old parable that says, tough times produce tough men. Tough men produce good times. Good times produce weak men. 
and weak men produce tough times. You know, the last 20, 30 years, there's been a prosperity in the States that many, many people have grown up in. And even with the recessions and things like that, and there's an awful lot of people, they don't have the certain drive. I mean, you're growing up in Appleton, Wisconsin. Okay, how, what year were you born, Jim? Uh, 1939. Ten years after the Great Depression started, right? And the Great Depression was 1937. So you're a product of Appleton, Wisconsin. I've been there once, <laughs> and it was, I think, minus 57 degrees I when I went up there. Yeah, it's about 20 miles away from the Packers, from yeah, right. Green Bay. The Apple Valley Hotel, I think it is, is where the away teams stay when they go up to the Packers. Right. I did a seminar on that, and it was freezing, and it was cold and hard scrabble and tough people, and you're a child that was born just right at the end of the Depression. And so, you know, you came out of these tough times, and it produces this toughness and this direction and so on and so forth. Well, generations go by. Now these kids, they grow up, and they're not really worried about where the next meal's coming from. They tend not to be as concerned. They tend to be trying to find their purpose and, and whatnot early. And I think that's all great. I really do. I'm all about that. But I also know that, you know, your first purpose when you're young is to get a job. And then you get a job that feeds the family. And I, I had a conversation with a young man I'm mentoring yesterday. And I said, you know, nothing put manners on me like having a wife and a couple of kids. Like that's the greatest motivational seminar in the world, you know? And so there's a both and to this, right? Just like there's work by referral, live the right. good life. Right. The both and is, hey, here's how to get after it. And then here's how to get after it with balance. And you would say the first 30 years of your career, you didn't get after it with balance, but then you did have your eyes open. We spent a lot of times in conversation. Carol Peterson at Buffini Company was a great coach for you. And you did what was very hard to do. I think maybe the hardest thing of all is to challenge and question your success. When everybody's telling you, you're, you're it. You challenged and questioned your success to then start living your life a different way. And that to me is a great dynamic. Right. See the people. I think that's brilliant as far as building relationships. What would be the next tip you would give somebody for growing a business? Like they're an entrepreneur, they're seeing the people, they're making a few sales. You know, you built up the Kentwood Company. What advice would you have for someone to go and grow a business? Well, I think uh, anymore, I would, um, I, I, would, I would set up a team. I, I just really think that, um, you know, trying to do it all myself. I mean, uh, if I had a team, I could have uh, some, some, some of my teammates that are better than I am in some areas, some that are not as good, and it, it just makes it easier on you. So I, I think I would, I would definitely you know, consider doing that. And I, I do have a team right now. And actually, we'll do about $45 million this year in, <laughs> in closed volume. You know, it's like yeah. crazy. You can't turn it off, Jim, can you? <laughs> Just... I know. I try. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. You're, you know, you're at the place where most people want to get, and you're, you're trying to get out of it. You're, you're, you're at least 10 years trying to turn off the faucet, but it keeps moving. And you know what? It's a good thing. It's a good thing. As long as you're doing the other things and taking the trips and taking a bit of time for your bride and like I said, you took the time to write this book, I mean, which is a huge thing. And as you well know, I told you a long time ago, it's a lot closer to delivering a baby than it is, you know, some creative project, you know? Right. What can people expect from the book, Significance? What do you think someone's going to get from it? Well, what I did, Brian, in that book, I tried to take uh, the the activities and things that were best able to help me make uh, make a success in my life. And, and I put those together, including what I did wrong. 
you know, including I work too hard. I put all of that in there. Like I've got a chapter on energy management. I have a chapter on time management. Um, and I've got comments on those. I've got a chapter on attitude and motivation. Um, and uh, by the way, I really... Uh, Earl Nightingale was instrumental in me, and to to have his ideas of if you take a hundred people at age twenty five and you follow them through life to age sixty five, um, those that are living, one will be rich, four is financially independent, five is still be working, and fifty four are broke in the richest country in the face of the earth. That's the message I would like to get to, and it's still relevant. I know it was 50 years ago, but I think it's still pretty relevant. And I'd like to get that message to the young people starting out and the people that are in the business that are kind of drifting and say, look, you know, if you get into it and, uh, you know, you you, you can make a go of it. And and at first I was concerned. uh, I got a little negative. And then I thought, oh, my God, there's no competition they work for 50 years and, you know, 40 years and they're, they're, they're broke. So I, I really would like the, the people to, to really get, you know, do the things that have to be done, set up the goals, you know, get the goals, get their attitude right, um, and, and not be too concerned about comparison. That's a big word to me, uh, comparison, because we in sales are being compared day in and day out. Uh, gee, I, I thought I made a nice sale last night at half a million. And my my person down down the street or down the office just got a ten million dollar sale, and you just I got to tell you it's hard on me. I I still get envious, and I've got to get rid of that you know envious type of an attitude. Well, it's funny, Jimmy, you talk about it because I tell people all the time far more than COVID, the greatest virus that's spreading in the world today is comparison, and it's spreading through social media. And, you know, what you have is through the social media is cultivated content. You know, it's presenting, you know, reality TV. It's interesting. I, the people who produced the Kardashians came to my family seven years ago, and they pursued us for a couple of years to do a reality show in my family. I met with them because I wanted to understand the business model. I thought it'd be kind of curious, and, but I had no interest in doing it. And when I found out more about it, I found I had no interest at all because there was not a single ounce of reality in the reality TV. I mean, it's called reality TV, but it's a scripted, dynamic of unpaid actors who want to be famous. And then you have the TikTok world and you have Snapchat and all the different social media, and it's all curated content. We have a guy here, and I've told the story many times, he's, he's an image consultant and he's, they'll spend $120,000 on a photo shoot with this guy to curate content. And what it does is it creates this comparison to the best life. There's the best meal I've ever had, but I present it to you like it's every day. Here's the best look and the best clothes and the best makeup, and it's every day. Here's the best life that I have, curated content, and it's out there. And that's what we have, and that's why we have so much anxiety and so much stress amongst young people, because they're being buried in this area of comparison. And like you just said, you know, you go and you make a nice half a million dollar sale, and you're driving home, and you go, man, I I just, you know, really proud of myself and thankful, and you've done it great until you hear someone else did 10 million. Right. right. And right. by the way, in the real estate business, as you well know, half the people are telling lies in the office. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's like right. Bragging and this and that and the other. The same as like social media. 90% of the people are bragging and telling lies. So when we compare ourselves to the image that someone else is projecting out there, it makes us feel less than about what we're doing or who we are. And then often what happens then is it can cause us to be crushed. Now, I'm always, and you've been to the events where I'm always sharing stories of people who are successful. But I do it in such a way not to compare or to make somebody insecure, 
but to do it to say, hey, if they can do it, I can do it. And then by having goals, it's my version of their success. Great, that means they can do it. Somebody started out with nothing, and now they're hugely successful. I can see myself in that, so it gives them hope and a vision. But now you have to set the personal goals so that it's unique to you as opposed to comparing yourself to someone else. And here you are, you know, you've been on this planet quite a while, and you'll say, I love this about you, Jim. You're so transparent. And it's like, hey, I'm still fighting with comparison. You know, after all these years and all the accolades and all the sales, that it can still be a trigger for you. The difference being today is that you know it's a trigger as opposed to in the past you didn't know it. You know, the other thing, too, I think people need to feel good about themselves. And, and, you know, there was a period of time I didn't feel that good about myself, as you know. I do now. I do now because I've done the best I can. I'm continuing to do the best I can. And I think if we treat everybody that we deal with, that they could walk away from the meeting saying, you know, I felt good when I was with him. Or I felt good when I was with her. That's pretty basic. Instead of feeling less of themselves. It's, to me, that's, that's something that I just never try to forget. I always try to treat them as if, as if they would feel good after having met, met with me. After decades in the coaching program, what, what do you think, Coach Carroll and the coaching, what do you think it did for you tangibly? Well, it, it got me into the, you know, the different areas, the survival, or I mean, the, uh, the spiritual, the family, the, the business. I, I just, I was way out of whack. You're one-dimensional. Yeah, I was. I was pretty much much one-dimensional. And Carol helped me, as as have you, to get back and to be more more uh, balanced. I guess. Yeah. Well, like I said, I've always appreciated. Mary Jean used to always say to me, "As long as you're around, I'm happy." <laughs> she used to say that to me all the time. <laughs> Jim, you know this is beautiful stuff. The book is called Significance, and it's just come out, and it's uh, a lifetime of learning, earning, and love. And again, there's great things to learn from one of the most successful guys in a particular industry that ever lived. But at the same time, rather than sit there and thump your chest, you also share the shortcomings and what you learn from that. And I think that's brilliant. And that's, that's what's unusual about this work, by the way. That's what's unusual. It's one of your strengths. Most people who are successful like to just share the good and leave the other stuff alone, which, by the way, I think makes it so less powerful because I had a conversation. I was just in Ireland, as I was telling you, Jim. You know, I was at a meeting, and there were some people there. And honest to God, these folks are looking at me like they know where I came from. They know how hard Scrabble it was and where I came from and the little house I grew up in. And they're, like, talking about my success. Like, everything just kind of fell from the sky, and there was rose petals at my feet, and every decision I made was right, and everything I did was good. And I'm just like, man, I'd love to meet this guy. I'd love to meet, you know, what you're describing I have no recollection of that whatsoever. I go, it was a siege. You know, it's been a siege, up at dawn, down at dusk, siege. Now, it's, it's the good life, and I've done it in such a way to keep a great marriage and a bunch of great kids and see a bit of the world and whatever else, but it's been a siege. As you take a look at all of this, and there is nothing like being in business for yourself, is there? There's nothing like having a chance to go and change your status. And, you know, as you think about your entrepreneurial journey, you know, owning your own business, it is one of the greatest things, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. I mean, who would have thought, uh, you know, in March of 1981 with the interest rates at 20%, you know, we, we leave 
Van Scott and Company, a great firm. Five of us set up the Kentwood Company in March of 81. Nobody joined us from March of 81 through our holiday get-together in December here at my house right on the other side of this wall. And we had the five partners, their spouse, secretary, and her husband. That was the whole company. And, and I mean, that's 12 people. And, and nobody joined us. And we said, you know, we're going to make it. One way or another, we're going to make it. So, but 20%. So I tell people when they when they think about 20%, I mean, 6%, uh, yeah, it's not good, but it's, it's not it's 20. It's not 20. <laughs> right. And inflation through the roof and wars and oil embargoes and whatever else. And that's one of the perspective and the wisdom we get from being around a while. But I tell you what, if people eventually did join the Kentwood Company. It became hugely successful. And there was a, a heck of a lot more than 12 people at the Christmas parties in the years to come, right? <laughs> That's right. We're very blessed to have that happen. And uh, the people we sold it to sold to, to Warren Buffett, you know, Berkshire Hathaway. And I think you, you've met Gino. Gino's a great friend of mine. Fantastic guy. Yeah, it's good stuff. Well, Jim, you've listened to the podcast. You know this. I always ask five questions so that people get to know you a little bit better and different. Sure. And give them a little context on who Jim Nisbaum is. And as we finish here today, I'd like to do that. So. Jim, I'm going to ask you this question. What's the single best piece of advice you ever received? Uh, I would say just, just, you know, do my very best, you know, the way God would want me to do it. Where'd that come from? I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's, yeah. Yeah, and see the people would be another one, right? That was another For great sure. one. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, see the people. What one talent or gift do you wish you possessed you currently don't? I, I would say uh, I'd, I'd like to be a little more peaceful. Yeah, and then that, you know, and I'm I'm getting there though. I'm pretty darn close. Bit by bit, my friend. Bit by bit. Yeah. Right. It's never inch by inch. It's a cinch. It's never a destination. <laughs> uh, what book has been most instrumental in your life? What book has really helped you? Well, I would have to say Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. That I've got that here. I've, I've underlined it and re-underlined it, and it's a wonderful book. Well, one of the things that really connected us in the beginning was. You were an old school personal growth and development guy, as was I. And Napoleon Hill and Ogmandino and all the greats. Earl Nightingale. No, Earl Nightingale, all the greats that were out there. And we learned from them all, the Zigglers and the Rones. And those principles are still as true today as they were then. And they'll help people 100 years from now if they're open to it. If there's a movie, Jim, I know you're, a, you're not much of a movie watcher, but if there's a movie that's on over and over again, no matter when it's on, you'll always kind of stop and watch it. What one would that be? Well, you know, the one I really liked was Mr. Holland's Opus. Oh, yeah. What a, what a movie. What does that do for you? You know, I, as I recall, it was, it was the principal that came back and, and you know, he, you know he, he made a difference for those kids. And um, I, I just, that's what I want to do is I want to continue or trying to make a difference for as many people as possible. Jim Nussbaum's Opus. I, I, you think about it, all the people you've helped and all the people you've served and all the families you've blessed over the years and all the people you mentored. Like I say, you get a chance. In his case, he got to see it in the movie where all the work he poured into people over the years came back. He didn't realize he'd been a success, right? Right. right. I often think that of you, Jim. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because <laughs> you're so transparent and it's a beautiful thing, but it's also based on the stuff that you've overcome, and you don't have to be perfect. And like I say, I got to attend a funeral of a guy, and there was a thousand people at the funeral. If the church was big enough, there'd have been 2,000 people. And the truth of the matter is, he was not a perfect guy at all, but he was a great guy, and he lived a great life, and he blessed a lot of people. And the truth of the matter is, the reason why God's grace exists is for people like you and me. You know what I mean? That we don't have to be perfect, but we can uh, impact a lot of people along the way. 
Last but not least here, Jim, you've written this book called Significance, and um, you've poured your heart and soul into it over several years. What does a good life mean to you today? Well, I think, you know, it's kind of, I said it in my significance chapter, it's just that I've, I've been there. I, I've got, I've got a, a good measure of financial security. I've got family that is, uh, uh, that likes me and, and, you know, likes to be around me. Um, gosh. And, and I've got friends, um, you know, what, what more could you ask for? You sure. Know? It's, like, it's nice to have the things money can buy, but even more important to have the things money can't buy, right? Right. It's good stuff. Exactly. Well, I appreciate you, Jim Nussbaum. We've known each other a long time, and I'm excited that I've had a chance to be a part of your story, and our coaches, and especially Carol Peterson, who I love and adore, has been with me almost a quarter century, has been a blessing to you in your life. And I had a chance to read the very first manuscript of your book, and the second manuscript of your book and the third <laughs> manuscript of your book. And in classic Jim Nussbaum fashion, you kept working and working at it till you, you made it something special. And so I congratulate you on it. It's called Significance, A Lifetime of Learning, Earning, and Love. And I think it's so valuable when you get to read from someone who's been there, done that, shares their mistakes, shares their victories, how to achieve, and then how not to get off track. And uh, you've done it well here, Jim. We've been waiting to do this podcast together for a number of years. Right. And uh, here's the day. And I know there's uh, hundreds of thousands of people listening to this episode will be blessed by it. I want to thank you for it. And uh, thanks for your time today. Well, I want to thank you. And uh, I'm so blessed to have this opportunity. And uh, I presume you'll let them know where they can buy it somewhere. <laughs> you bet you. Well, wherever great books are sold, uh, you know, people are going to be able to find a copy of Significance. You bet. And uh, we're thankful for it. We want to leave you today with a little Irish blessing. I know you've met my mom throughout the years. Right. A little feisty Irish woman, and she finishes every show with a little Irish blessing. So we're going to finish today's show with a good word from Therese Buffini. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields, and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.